heard your parents grumble about how everything is so expensive nowadays. Back when they were kids, it seemed like food cost nothing, fuel cost nothing, even their homes cost pretty much nothing. Not like today, right? When we seem to be struggling to pay for even the basics of life. But why is it that a few dollars could buy a month of groceries 50 years ago, but now it isn't enough to cover a single family dinner out? The answer is inflation. Inflation is the single most important thing affecting your income, your savings, your investments, and your wealth creation. In other words, pretty much your entire financial future. So whether you're a salary or a wage earner, a new or experienced investor, or even a homemaker responsible for the household budget, this is something you absolutely must know about. Let's get into it. Hi, my name is Amit and I've spent the past 20 years saving and investing my way into financial independence. In this podcast, I share everything I've learned on my financial journey so like me, you too can build wealth, stop chasing a paycheck and start chasing your dreams instead. And once again, joining me today is Neha Agarwal, an experienced professional trader and a co-traveler on the journey to wealth and financial freedom. Welcome Neha. Hi Amit, thanks for having me back again. Yeah, it's, it's a pleasure having you again, Neha. The last one that we did two weeks back was very well received and so I'm very excited about uh, this session today. But before we start, a quick reminder for our audience that most of our episodes come with free tools, templates or other resources you can use on your own financial journey. These are linked in the episode description. So once you're done listening, feel free to log in, make a copy and start using it for yourself. And today we have a simple yet I thought very powerful decision tree that Neha has prepared for anyone to be able to sense check or design your investing strategy in accordance with the drivers of inflation in your own country. Take a look, it will really transform how you think about your overall portfolio. Also do take a second right now to pause the show and subscribe. Not only will you never miss an episode, your subscription will boost our ranking and really help us with our mission to provide quality financial education to every working professional. So Neha, what is inflation? So inflation is one of the most fundamental concepts in economic construct and one of the key deliverables for any well-functioning economy. Oh, wait, wait, hold on. You said inflation is a deliverable. You meant a key outcome, right? So I didn't mean a deliverable. But inflation as such defines the rise in price of any goods or services or assets. And so the central bank and government can actually target a specific level of inflation. Mind you, this is the rate of rise, not the actual rise that they want to achieve using the various tools at their command. It is traditionally assumed to have a reasonable positive value. That is a rate of maybe one or two percent year on year. And the way central banks track it is by monitoring the change in prices of a representative basket of goods month on month and year on year. Depending on the basket of your consumption, however, inflation could impact you differently from another household. Not all prices for everything move in sync. If you do not have kids, so inflation is not probably impacting you as much as a couple who have kids and education cost is going up. 
if you live in a natural resource rich but labor resource poor economy goods prices don't rise as much but the prices for services like plumbing will keep rising okay but why do prices rise in the first place why don't they just stay the same all the time isn't it uh, just easier for everyone that way yeah but to put it simply if demand or for something increases while supply cannot keep pace with the rise in demand the price will rise right it's a demand and supply dynamics there has been a very simple factor for rising prices in the last century and that's demographics as consumption has gone up populations have matured and more people have risen out of poverty the demand for resources goods and services is risen while supply has been constrained by the finite amount of land or oil or commodities so as the country develops more that is increases its income and consumption there will be some amount of inflation it is generally considered a healthy sign of growth there is usually some lead lag effect in demand and supply but rising demand will be responded to by rising supply if by some chance you achieve total balance in the economy that is everyone consumes exactly as much that they can produce and there is no change in the consumption pattern and demand you'll have no price rise and no inflation sure but what is that a sign of no change or increase in demand means that there is no growth your paycheck will remain constant year after year you will eat and consume the same things year after year and it might get boring right So a moderate demand driven inflation is considered a healthy sign and important for propagation of growth. Now if we take the basic equation of inflation it's the rate of change of demand minus the rate of change of supply that leads to the rate of change of inflation. So we have demand and supply. Now if we can try to tweak various variables in this equation and see how it changes the impact on the economy. If demand is slightly higher than supply and here I'm saying demand supply but I mean rate of change of demand and rate of change of supply if demand is slightly higher than supply you have a healthy inflation it pushes savers to deploy capital in productive investments and it gives the producers incentive to put capital to use creating employment opportunities leading to growth okay so this is the good inflation you were talking about but I'm sure during covid people who lost jobs didn't have money so they might not have been buying things at the rate that they used to earlier yes so if demand is lower than supply which means demand is tapering off you get deflation that is not a good sign like japan it's been suffering from deflation for years and decades because it prevents industries from expanding There is no growth in employment opportunities, no allocation of capital and hence no growth. Wow. That sounds terrible. I guess then governments should just massively boost demand, right? Like they're trying to do nowadays with stimulus checks. So why not just give everyone a million dollars and then we'd all have great demand and growth and all the good stuff. Plus I'm sure frankly all that industrial growth because people are spending millions of dollars will make small economies into big ones overnight right No 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 not at all There is a reason why central banks are not supposed to just keep printing money If demand is higher than supply by a huge amount either because supply has cratered due to supply shocks or like you suggested if everyone's given a million dollar handout then you can get hyperinflation 
and that will spell economic doom and also have a scenario where you have inflation without accompanying growth that is called stagflation this again obviously is not ideal so let's discuss these more in depth as we already mentioned mild inflation is a sign of growth and in fact propagates growth as long as it is coming from an increase in demand and not a decrease in supply demand could be increased because of demographics which means a higher proportion of younger people who consume more than an older demographics it could also mean more people are being able to consume as their economic status improves and disposable income goes up this is the reason why typically a developing economy which has both a young population and income growth advantage like india or indonesia has a higher inflation while an already developed country where incomes have stabilized and the population has aged like germany will have a lower inflation rate when suppliers have an expanding market to produce for they will have a better deployment of capital they will put a stress on innovation employ more people and thus you get growth that's why china and india have been such big focus markets for all big companies as their favorable demographics provide a ready market for the produce so countries with a younger population actually could generate the right kind of inflation for sustained growth so in other words having babies is a patriotic duty you heard it here first folks get busy <laughs> you could also get inflation because of healthy growth typically technological developments lead to huge growth spurts and resultant shift in consumption pattern as the economy climbs the rungs in the development ladder industrial revolution green revolution and the recent internet revolution have all boosted productivity while generating increase per capita income and hence there has been a resultant acceleration in demand but demand could also increase in the absence of favorable demographics or positive change in productivity and that is when the same people have more money to spend simply because they've been given more money in their hands just to cite your own example this is the kind when you're talking about 1 million dollar checks being handed out and that's been happening in a lot of developed countries like japan and us US has seen leveling population and a plateauing in consumption. It in fact accounts for one of the world's lowest savings rate because people have traditionally spent most of their money. So there's not much more room to spend. So if you think of the economy as a restaurant with a large kitchen, it needs people to buy more and more food. So how could it push people to eat more even when their tummies are full? One way is by increasing the buffet spread. so the economy could just make a wider variety of things and create more choices for consumers to spend on fortunately it could also give you vouchers to spend on the buffet in economic terms this is the same as printing money and distributing it through fiscal and monetary policy an example of fiscal policy is increasing minimum wages or tax cuts an example of monetary policy is lowering interest rates making it cheaper to borrow money Actually Neha that was a really good example I loved the idea of thinking of the economy as a restaurant and I think I'll steal it in case uh, anyone asks me for an explanation later Yeah so in the first case of improving demographics or increasing innovation you intrinsically have inflation built in 
while in the second case you are trying to create inflation via money printing and fiscal policy and because both scenarios ideally lead to increased production and its resultant multiplier effect in the economy central banks want to keep some inflation going us central bank's policy or even japan's for that matter has been trying to achieve and maintain a 2% level of inflation and they will tweak their policies to do whatever to to meet this end while developing countries like india indonesia and china have been trying to keep the lid on inflation they tweak their policy to somehow maintain it in the 4 to 6% band and not let it get out of hands okay but neha one thing has been bothering me all this is fine but what's the role of people like us in all of this this discussion makes it seem like we are some sort of puppets in some grand master plan the central bank just sets some policy and pulls strings and then we just dance to their tune isn't there a place for our own desires and expectations and being human after all we are the ones actually spending the money oh yes actually we do play a big role in all this a very important point i would like to mention here is inflation expectation so in the equation that i mentioned earlier where rate of change of demand minus rate of change of supply is inflation we also need to add a component of inflation expectation inflation is a sort of self fulfilling phenomenon if the population believes there will be no inflation there is no incentive for consumers to consume today believing that the value of money will remain the same today and tomorrow they can easily push consumption out in time also they'll be satisfied with investing less you might as well keep cash under the mattress since its value will not change so more dead end savings less consumption less investment less production less employment generation and so on and hence you actually have an economic slowdown and a resultant stall in inflation on the other hand if one expects inflation to rise they will increase present consumption chase after assets for which you can refer to our earlier podcast on financial asset inflation and thus they cause demand to outstrip supply even further and therefore increase inflation even more so it can work as a virtuous or a vicious cycle as an example japan despite everything the central bank has been trying to do has remained stuck in de- deflation because people now are used to deflation and believe that prices will always go down so they just don't spend expectation continues to perpetuate deflation in the economy so central banks always try their best to contain not just inflation but also inflationary expectations in a narrow band through their policy it is dangerous to let inflation move out of the band because it sets deflationary or high inflationary expectations which can then kick off all the bad things that we talked about wait so what does high inflation expectation result in it should boost spending today right and that's good for growth or no um no actually it's not because it can lead to hyperinflation which is definitely not a good thing so if for some reason you think tomorrow your money will be worthless or because there is a disaster coming for which you need to store goods or because you think supply is going to get disrupted it leads to hoarding i mean didn't you all witness the toilet paper hoarding just last year thank god it was only toilet paper but hoarding generates scarcity and a huge gap between demand and supply even if all the factories produce as much as their capacities can allow them to 
overall supply can in no way match this shock to demand and if not contained it can spiral into hyperinflation it makes the value of paper money totally worthless and results in looting hoarding and general destruction of the social structure i mean money is a glue a story that binds the economic system and if that glue comes unstuck it's an economic collapse leading to a humanitarian crisis we've seen venezuela and zimbabwe in recent history go through hyperinflation it has led to political instability and destruction of wealth and it has retarded economic growth of decades i mean venezuela recorded an eye watering inflation rate of 65300% year on year in 2019 and zimbabwe clocked 535% just last year this was annualized rate i mean for brief periods of time it even touched a million percent which basically means that the money in your hand is worth less than the paper it's printed on the price of a loaf of bread will change every second we've seen what a social economic and humanitarian crisis that leads to and the medicine to recover from this is actually very painful it's like chemotherapy for a cancer patient hence it's always a big worry on the horizon especially for emerging market economies and finally we have something called stagflation we've discussed how mild inflation is not only a good sign of growth but is also key to growth but there can be times when we have inflation which is not accompanied nor is it followed by economic growth this is called stagflation money printing led growth and inflation can often result in stagflation because while inflation is being fueled by the printing press growth stays anemic since it's not backed by the fundamental drivers that we discussed which are demographics and productivity it's like treating an illness with panadol and all it does is mask the symptoms but doesn't address the real diagnosis stagflation can also occur when there are price shocks on the supply side an example of that is us in the 1970s when there was an oil price crisis the producers pass this rise in cost to the consumers and consumers do not like this sticker shock thereby decreasing consumption causing economic recession all this sounds like inflation management is a very tricky problem not only do governments have to calibrate demand and supply measures to ensure inflation remains a low positive number they also seem to have to manage perceptions so people don't rush off omas to do things that might kick off deflation or hyperinflation cycles and on top of that even for inflation within the band they have to ensure it's driven by the right kind of things so it is beneficial and sustained since all of this is so tricky i'm sure investors especially professionals such as yourself have to figure out what's good and what's not good so you can take positions accordingly how do you do that so actually inflation is one of the key macroeconomic datas that investors look at um, and they do that to glean the health of the economy in some countries like singapore a rising inflation trend is like a good report card and that leads to a buoyant stock market in other countries like south africa and india already battling with high inflation a higher inflation print will lead to a beating of the stock market because it signals a tightening central bank policy and why is the difference between the two reactions 
it's more often than not because one is demand led and another is supply led inflation if increasing demand due to improving economic standards is leading to inflation that is good if inflation is high because graft red tape and general inefficiencies are creating infrastructural bottlenecks and investment or lack of it is crippling the supply chain then it is bad and that's because inflation reducing actions are typically one sided and act to reduce demand like making the price of uh, borrowing higher that is raising interest rates or devaluing the exchange rate to make imports more expensive so if the issue is with supply these measures are only good for the short term because how long will you keep people from buying what they need in the long run supply related scarcity can only be sorted via proper investment planning and requires efficient fiscal policy which takes time to fructify the short term solutions taken to ensure inflationary expectations do not start setting high are usually a painful dose of medicine high inflation uh, but not hyperinflation also make long term capital investment dearer due to higher interest rates hence again a growth strangling vicious cycle and a way to distinguish between the two is to see if inflation is also being accompanied by wage growth or increasing employment growth so now we've already discussed how deflation and hyperinflation are really bad but what is also bad is inflation from pure money printing macroeconomics 101 says that you print money leading to excess supply of money which leads to loss in the value of money aka inflation since central banks acting like a dampener always need to lean opposite to the prevailing trend at the time in order to control economic growth and inflation if demand is heating up meaning economic engines are chugging they reduce money supply or they raise rates this leads to cooling in demand and growth and when economy is shrinking or demand is petering out they will make borrowing cheaper and or print more money this is what's been happening for the last 13 years there has been a desperate attempt to reflate developed economies through almost an indiscriminate printing of money ideally it should lead to inflation but for a long time it hasn't a combination of aging population with low demand plus an internet economy producing supply chain efficiencies and subsidizing goods has kept the lid on prices correction it has kept the lid on prices of goods consumer has been the king as amazons and ubers of the world have poured angel money and smartphone technology to win expensive price wars but prices of services like education leisure travel they've all gone up and so have those of financial assets this is not good because this has not been accompanied by an increase in wages that means production is not really going up your employment is not going up or rather even if your unemployment rate is falling you are able to hire more people at the same wage level that means you have the same paycheck as you did a decade back and the only way to grow your wealth has been through financial investment housing market has been priced out for most and inequality has increased those who have investable surplus to begin with have been able to increase their wealth and inflate the demand for leisure and education but those who got left behind 
has seen no increase in their bank balance. But why is that? After all, the government should have been tracking inflation and hence adjusting things like minimum wages, right? So the inflation or the headline inflation used for policy setting and checking the pulse of the economy can be misleading at times. It is subject to a lot of modification depending on what basket of goods you choose. Like Greece infamously tweaked its basket to arrive at a headline inflation of 3%, which was a requirement for getting entry into the eurozone when the actual household inflation was far above it. Similarly, based on your own consumption basket, your experience inflation can vary from the headline number. In the recent years, the basic basket has not risen in prices, partly because of falling oil prices and for the technological changes that we talked about. But for the middle class looking to buy a house or a young graduate looking to repay his student loan and start his investment nest, things look very different. The headline inflation number itself throws a blanket on the increasing inequality, the asset price inflation, and allows the central banks to continue to pump money without consequences. But it does seem that the day of reckoning may be coming sooner than we think. I mean, there has been a $31 trillion global monetary and fiscal stimulus since the start of COVID-19 outbreak. And U.S. retail sales are already 18% above pre-COVID levels, even though payrolls are still 7 million below. U.S. inflation for the past three months annualized has grown at the fastest pace in the last 40 years. Housing prices in U.S., U.K., New Zealand, Canada are up 15% year-on-year. That's the fastest in a century. Three billion people in 2021 are experiencing food costs at a rate higher than 10% per annum. And this has been the commodity's best performing year since 2002. So clearly, it is a pot ready to boil over. Wow, that's a lot. And in fact, uh, the $31 trillion number is uh, just eye-popping. So, I guess given that the government is possibly operating with what looks like incomplete information, or at least information that is hiding the extremes, it looks like we just have to trust in ourselves to establish a secure financial future. So how do we future-proof ourselves with an investment strategy in this kind of a scenario? So you have to focus on achieving a real rate of return on your assets and not nominal. Real rate is nothing but the rate of return minus the rate of inflation. So just to explain that, if you get 5% on your fixed deposit, but have a 5% erosion in value of money, which is inflation, you're basically the same a year later. So you have to focus at the differential between the nominal rate of interest and the inflation rate. So you have to understand what kind of economy you are in. In an emerging market economy, inflation is a constant value. And so interest rates are typically higher. These are economies with favorable demographics and a higher demand for real estate with increasing urbanization. So investment in real estate and growth stocks would be ways to stay ahead of the curve. Government bonds or fixed deposit may not be able to beat inflation as much. 
but bear in mind i'm talking from a long term perspective and not like a few years i'm talking of a decade or maybe more in more mature economies there is hunt for technological revolution so look out for maybe stocks which have been dipping in new technologies like say renewable energy but also keep in mind if inflation rate is outside the band prescribed by central bank it will lead to a hike in interest rates which usually leads to a correction in stock market also keep a track on wage inflation it's something central banks look at closely too ideally wages should be growing as a sign of higher demand for labor with increasing production and as one of the reasons why us continues to pump in money because it's yet to really see sign of wage inflation this will allow you to get a sense of bad inflation versus good inflation broadly also a very fluctuating inflation number is bad for investment projection as return on investment calculation becomes difficult so ideally you want a gentle steady slope if you're in an open economy where you can invest outside your borders look for investment routes in other growth economies they also will typically have higher yields on their bonds which is why mexican or indonesian bonds are very popular with japanese investors since japanese bonds yield zero but you have to keep in mind the exchange rate factor here which we can talk in some other podcast also finally at micro level at your household level keep a track of your consumption basket and track your expenses month on month your experience rate of inflation may be quite different from the average inflation print but at the same time that inflation print and central bank guidance gives you a sense of interest rate trajectory last decade has seen a rise in almost all asset prices due to money printing inflation has remained subdued but the last few inflation prints have been some of the highest in recent decades and when the reckoning comes that is when the central banks do react to that number we will see a correction across all assets but a blue chip company or an fmcg or a utility stock it'll still remain a staple and therefore probably will correct less again cities will also continue to see increased population growth so real estate will also over a long run be a good investment bet but as inflation numbers start creeping up be ready to stand by with some investable cash when the printing press stops and the resultant correction happens make sure you have money to invest rather than be licking your wounds so in summary inflation is nothing but rate of change of demand minus rate of change of supply plus inflation expectations demand led inflation which stokes capital investment employment generation and resultant wealth creation is good but supply inefficiency related inflation is more painful and long drawn to weed out then we have deflation where prices are falling year on year and there is a resultant economic stagnation or recession we also have stagflation which comes with sudden supply shocks leading to fast rise in prices which instead of fueling economic growth actually stagnates the economy and finally you have hyperinflation which is runaway inflation that usually leads to socio political crisis yeah and also don't forget based on the kind of economic model you live in and the phase of the economic cycle that you are in 
will dictate how you should try and achieve a rate of return higher than the inflation rate you are living with and that's where the simple decision tree uh, that we've linked in the notes page will really help so do check it out okay so that was it all about inflation today i hope you got something out of this discussion i know i learned a ton so thanks a lot neha for uh, spending time with us this was uh, really very eye opening and i began to realize that there's so much more to inflation than just the word that keeps getting bandied around and for everyone on this call if you found this podcast interesting do share it with your friends and please subscribe if you haven't already like i said earlier your subscription helps us with the algorithm and allows us to reach a wider audience and uh, for the show notes you can click on the link in the episode description and we'll have all the linked material over there so thanks a lot for joining us today look forward to seeing you again next time this was amit and neha with money talk see you next time